Good evening, everybody. Mark Igo alongside Paul McNamara and, of course, Jamie Staffsleen on production tonight. And uh, we're excited to have a special guest, Dan Shine, the athletic director and head coach at Arlington Catholic and also the director of the MIA Hockey Committee will be joining us here shortly. And, um, you know, we're uh, on to our fourth podcast here in 2022 and we've had some great guests so far and certainly a lot of great feedback. Um, from our listeners, so we appreciate that. Any uh, feedback, just send it to info at myhockeylive.com. That's info at myhockeylive.com. And uh, I'm going to talk about our sponsors right now and pay our bills. We want to give a big shout-out to our friends at Sullivan Tire, Nolan Insurance, and Full Clean Hand Sanitizer, which is available on Amazon. So go to Amazon and be sure to get your Full Clean Hand Sanitizer. Right now, I want to inter, uh, introduce Dan Shine. Uh, Dan, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's great to have you on. So many we could we could spend uh, hours on this podcast, but but I know uh, with your rich history of uh, high school hockey and and uh, and the inner workings of the tournaments, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Buddy for Classic here, which uh, finished today with Hingham defeating uh, Arlington uh, Austin Prep. Sorry. Hingham defeating Austin Prep to win the 2022 Buddy Ferrer Classic and uh, Coach Messina's first uh, Buddy Ferrer Classic since 2009 when he was a first-year coach in Hingham was the last time Hingham actually won it. So, uh, so kudos to Coach Messina and his Hingham Harborman. And uh, with that, uh, Dan, uh, you've been involved with the Buddy Ferrer Classic uh, from its inception and uh, and obviously just played in the recent tournament. So if you could speak a little bit about the Buddy Furrer Classic and what it's meant to you and your Arlington Catholic teams over the years and then certainly, uh, you know, your personal relationships with the other coaches. Yes, uh, Mark, it's, uh, it's been around now. I think uh, they were ta- talking uh, the other day about maybe around 27 years and uh, it started out as a four-team tournament, uh, you know, and it was uh, Buddy started it when while he was the coach and, Started out as, you know, a great way to finish, finish the regular season and ended with uh, uh, teams used to go down on Saturday. A number of the teams would stay overnight, uh, maybe get a practice in on Sunday and then play uh, Monday. We used to go bowling. We did a lot of things. It was a great way to kind of build camaraderie before the uh, the regular MIA tournament began. And then uh, kind of uh, evolved into a, an eight-team tournament. Um, featuring a number of the top teams fighting for a, a Super 8 spot as well as a, a top seed in Division 1. Uh, and uh, it's carried on year in and year out. And it's now gone to a three-day tournament, um, Saturday, Monday, and either Wednesday or Thursday, depending on uh, what your record was up to that point. So uh, it, it's really a... Something I think everyone that's participated in it looks forward to all the uh, the workers at the rink, the the people that work the snack bar. They all look forward to seeing the same people come through the door year in year out. So it's been a, it's it's really been a great thing. And as I said earlier, it's a it's a great way to finish the regular season. Yeah, it's such a fun tournament. And as I mentioned, you off the top, we had Paul Moore and Buddy Ferreira join us uh, last week's uh, podcast, and uh, you know Paul was quick to point out how uh, you know, he loves the origin of having four public schools and, and four 
Catholic Conference schools, and um, you know it's always exciting uh, when when those eight teams come together. Um, you know, and, and obviously through your lens, I'm sure you you see it similarly. Absolutely, you know, we start off the tournament uh, public versus Catholic for the first round. You know, each side is ranked one to four, um, and and then you you, however you make out, you know, in that first round game, depending on who you play in the next round, you know, and it goes through uh, through like that, so that you know you eventually get a championship game. So it's uh, it's exciting. I mean, I, the kids really like it, and as I said. Uh, most of the coaches have been the same for a number of years, and it's good that we all get a chance to see each other at this event uh, as we conclude the regular season. Yeah, Dan, Paul McNamara here just joined. Sorry I'm late, guys. Um, I was out shoveling the driveway before the snow hit. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I want to congratulate you on your long career, Dan. It's great, and uh, glad to, to hear that you're back uh, on the health beat again. Uh Everybody has uh, has challenges, and you came through yours strong. So, congrats on that. Thank you. And uh, you know, it, it's you guys talk about the Falmouth, the Buddy Ferrara. It's uh, you know, in season tournaments are starting to to grow back. I think, and uh, that may be one one uh, <laughs> unforeseen result of uh, or outgrowth of uh, you know, no Super Eight this year. So people got a little created, uh, creative, and. There've been a couple of new tournaments spring up this year, and you know people get excited about the in season, especially the buddy, where it's as you said, so many years it comes down to jockeying for position in the polls and in the or, or in the rankings, and where it was always uh, a spot in the Super Eight or or D one tournament. Now it's it's seeding, and it it could have uh, a big bearing on what comes up over the next three weeks. And yeah, that's a great lead in. Um... If you want to talk, Dan, about the 2022 MIA tournament, the, the new format, the seedings, and, and all that's taking place this weekend, of course, as the tournament will probably get started on Monday. But uh, why don't you speak to that? Because you've been around it for many years and uh, were in charge of the 1A tournament. Yeah, well, I think uh, everyone knows by now there is no 1A Super 8 tournament. And, and everyone is uh, – all the teams that qualify are, are basically in a statewide format. Uh, there'll be uh, a minimum of 32 teams that qualify. Uh, and if there's more than 32 based on um, a 500 winning percentage, uh, then, then there'll be a, like a play in round to get to be, to get into the 32nd spot. So um, it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I think with the school is still out on, on how it's all going to pan out. I mean, I I have some concerns myself uh, on it, uh, on the fact that you're going to have number one uh, team, like probably St. John's Prep playing a 32nd team, possibly, right? And and how that game will fare as far as competitive level is, is still yet to be known. Uh, but I think uh, the, the format in which the power seating is a big part of it in regard to uh, strength of schedule, uh, your opponent schedule. It's going to be is going to be interesting at seeing how it all plays out and see how competitive the games are. We knew when we had the Super Eight, you were going to have pretty much eight teams that were pretty competitive and they were going to be able to compete on a given night. Um, this year, those teams are in the pool with everybody else, so that's going to be somewhat interesting, I think. Yeah, I think Dan. Uh... You know, talking to 
to some people that were on the committee and uh, the tournament management committee, you know, they, they, they felt that they had, you know, kind of a, um, a groundswell of, of motivation to move to something like this. And people came out with things right away saying, well, what about the mismatches in the first round? And they said, so be it. You know, uh, they, they do it in Minnesota very similarly and they do it in basketball tournaments in other, in other states. And, you know, it, it does remain to be seen over the long term, however long, you know, this new format does last, whether there is pushback and teams that are, you know, particularly, I mean, if you just go by the numbers, the teams from like nine to 16 that traditionally North and South used to be fairly, you know, there were eight or nine teams in those tournaments that could, that could conceivably end up in the garden in the D1 tournament. And that's not going to be the case anymore. So, no. you know, chances are the, the, when we get to the quarterfinals in this division one tournament, you know, there'll be an upset here and there, but you know, those eight teams primarily are going to come from the top eight to 12 teams in the, in the rankings, I would think. Yeah. The, I think that we have to remind folks that, and this was, was an issue that we had a very difficult time uh, getting the tournament management committee to understand uh, the hockey committee voted unanimously to retain the super eight. Right. Uh, and the, the tournament management committee wanted to go to an overall format in which every division, every school was treated the exact same way. Uh, and I'm, I don't disagree with that to the extent in that in theory, yeah, it sounds good, you know, but hockey is a different animal. All right. Um, there's a lot of serious injuries in hockey and, and there can be. And when you have a mismatch of teams, the, the injury factor accelerates considerably. Um, I, that's one of the concerns the hockey committee had, um, uh, along with many others, but we, we really felt that, um, when, when the super eight started back 26 or 27 years ago, the first, the, the concept was that it would give everyone a fair chance to compete. And you take out the top eight schools. All right. In which back in those days, you know, it was CM and BC High and, and, and uh, Matinon and AC was in it and Waltham was in it for a while and, and all the Super 8 schools. And then it gave the other schools in Division One for the most part, an equal shot at a competitive tournament. That was the whole idea. And it worked. I, I was as surprised as anybody that it worked as well as it did. You found that public schools that would never play a Catholic school back in those days uh, now were scheduling the top Catholic schools on their regular season schedule because they wanted to see if they were in the category of the Super Eight, if exactly. they could compete. Yeah, yeah. Could, yeah. Could they? Could they? Could they play? Could a team play CM, a public school? Let's say back in those days, a Marshfield play CM. Uh, build a rivalry up, and maybe CM would win, you know, 4-2. to two. Well, that was like a win for Marshfield, losing 4-2 to two against CM in those days. So that's what the whole concept was. Now it's almost like we're going backwards 26, 27 years to the old days when a certain group of schools dominated high school hockey, and it appears, I may be wrong, we will see in time, 
that we're going back to the same old story that those schools are going to dominate high school hockey again. And I don't think that's what we wanted. Uh, as I said, the so-called Super 8, it did the trick. It worked. And it built up a tremendous amount of excitement, enthusiasm in the communities that participated uh, in the tournament. And everybody was shooting for one of those spots. Uh, and as a result, I think it made high school hockey tournament one of the best tournaments in the country. And we brought, a couple of years ago, Richard Pearson and I brought in the, the director of, of hockey from the National Federation in during our tournament. And, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't believe what he was seeing and seeing our crowds. You know, other than Minnesota, no other state brought in the crowds we did at the Garden. And right. the Super 8 played a big role in that. So, you know, time will tell. We'll see if it works. You know, uh, there is no question there is the group of elite schools, and they're always going to be the elite schools, and then there's going to be a second tier. Uh, unfortunately, the third-tier schools are going to have to play the elite schools in the first round. And that, that quite, I question whether or not that's fair. And is that equity? I don't know. Well, he, the, I mean, the thing is, you there? Oh, we might have lost Paul. <laughs> so, so Dan, thanks, and you're spot on. I mean, you know, my I had the you know the good fortune of my son playing on that 2010 Hingham Harborman team, and you know, Tony, you know, started playing all those Catholic schools and, and started building up his um, his schedule, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, they went on to win the the, the Super Eight in 2010, and then along came Arlington, and. Uh, you know, they want a Super 8 as well as a public school. So, you know, and, and you've seen, you know, Weymouth and Marshfield and some of these other schools, you know, that you mentioned, you know, playing that strength of schedule and, and letting their kids compete with, um, you know, the Catholic memorials and the BC highs and things like that. Right. And, and I think that's also, you know, kind of regressing back to the Buddy Ferreira. I mean, that's what makes it fun for the kids, too, is, you know, you got four publics and four Catholics and, uh, you know, it's just fun to try to compete, right, and, and see where you, right. where you measure up. So. So we, we appreciate that feedback, and we appreciate your time and all that you do for high school hockey uh, across the state of Massachusetts. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, you know, we we sit on a lot of the committee meetings and and, um, and and get to meet a lot of the coaches and things like that along the way while we provide our services. But uh, you know, you've always been a, a big supporter of my hockey live, and and you know, we we really admire all that you do for uh, high school hockey in the state of Massachusetts. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate those comments. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a passion of mine for, for a long time. You know, I started out in 1978 and really have had a, um, a wonderful experience. So many kids, so many families you get to meet. And, you know, and, I, and during my last year of, you know, uh, being a little bit under the weather, um, I'll tell you, they all came out. I was overwhelmed with the hockey community uh, in support. So that was that was that made made me really feel good in my family. It made it well worthwhile. That's great, Dan. You're very deserving. And again, thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, Paul and I are going to move on to review the boys and girls um, rankings and, and our player highlight, uh, which we're excited uh, tonight is a uh, sophomore forward number 18, Kelly Holmes from King Philip Warriors. And Kelly's having quite a season for herself uh, playing down in the girls division two, where King Philip is 18, three and oh, and uh, going to be a formidable opponent. And uh, we talk a lot about Duxbury on this podcast and we'll probably talk to him about again today but uh 
but you know the Warriors sitting right there and Kelly Holmes uh, a sophomore right now with uh, 46 points in 19 games Paul so you know kudos to Kelly Holmes and, and her her, uh, her line mates there over at uh, over at King Philip uh, they, they they could be making some noise here in the upcoming tournament yeah they're currently uh, ranked second so they would be the second seed if, if everything stays the same yeah, just behind Duxbury and just ahead of Braintree in that D2 girls lineup. Yeah, yeah, it should be a, just the, the entire tournament will be fun. And, you know, and we, we've spoken about Austin Prep. There's only a couple of undefeateds left in the state on both girls and boys side of things. And Austin Prep Cougars, the girls team sitting at 21 and 0. And uh, last week we pointed out the Winthrop girls had uh, some makeup games to to go get, and they remained undefeated. They finished undefeated at 16-0-1, so congratulations to the Winthrop girls, um, you know, in a successful season there and finishing strong because they played a lot of hockey over the past couple of weeks just to try to get those those makeup games in. And uh, and on the boys' side, uh, you know, you could talk a little bit about Belmont because I know they suffered their first loss, but we did still have a an undefeated team on the boys' side with the Marlboro boys' team going 17-0-1. So those are the three undefeated teams uh, remaining as we head into the tournament. But um, why don't you, uh, you know, Paul, looking at you know St. John's Prep getting hot again here uh, at the end and, uh, and Belmont suffering their first loss. Uh, I think you said that was last night. Yeah, I think um, that Belmont game, that was um, that was like a reverse reschedule. And I, I think they actually lost it in the middle of January, but we it just got caught up on our schedule. They lost to Wellesley, I think. Oh. But seventeen one and three Belmont with a big win in the in the closing week against uh, Arlington, one of their rivals, and you know Arlington by some rankings Arlington's five, Belmont is six, d- despite the record discrepancy. But you know that'll all be worked out. I think as of five o'clock tonight, everybody had to have all the the math work, all the paperwork in, and. By Saturday morning, we'll know exactly where everybody stands. The rankings should be up to date tomorrow morning. Usually they're in the that Boston Globe uh, newspaper. They used to be a newspaper. Now it's online. But anyway, the Globe updates things in the morning, uh, around 6 o'clock in the morning, so people can go to that site and see exactly where the, the seedings sit as of tomorrow. I don't know if there are uh, – Discussions after that come out, after that comes, after those rankings come out and the committees, you know, reseed here and there. But the math, the math should show tomorrow morning an unofficial ranking. So, you know, people will have a pretty good idea of where everybody sits. And I don't know if you've gone over it yet, Mark, but, you know, a big, a big win affecting that top 10. The Division One boys was uh, Hingham beating uh, Austin Prep in the finals of the Buddy Ferreira Classic. And, you know, before that, Hingham was ranked seventh and Austin Prep was ranked three uh, as of earlier today. But, you know, that could shuffle a bit because uh, as a result of that result, not to use that word twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did. We uh, gave a shout out to Coach Messina. He had actually uh, I checked with the, our guru, our in-house guru, Jake Levin, who uh, told me that uh, Coach uh, Messina actually had won it in his first year as head coach of the Hingham Harborman back in 2009. That's the only other time Hingham had won it. So, uh, so again, uh, 13 years later, he's hoisting the uh, Buddy Ferreira Cup here in 2022 with a very strong victory over Austin Prep. And, you know, just looking at our RPI, uh, you know, we've got St. John's Prep number one, Severian number two, Austin Prep three, and Hingham four. 
Belmont five, Catholic Memorial six. And uh, so again, these will all be, you know, fleshed out and posted uh, in time for the playing games on uh, Monday and Tuesday of next week. And uh, my hockey live will be very much a big part of bringing live broadcasts out for the uh, MIA tournament from uh, rounds one up through the up to the semifinals. Uh, and then, of course, once the semifinals and finals take place, we put our NFHS hats on uh, for those games. But um, but it's such an exciting time of year, Paul. And, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, just so grateful for the, the guests that we've had on, especially, you know, Dan tonight. Just, you know, so much history there and just so much information. You know, we could, we could talk for hours on uh, all the all the doings here, but um, anything uh, you want to add before we sign off? No, I think it's just uh, the the regular season is wrapped up, and uh, this is why they play those twelve or thirteen weeks is to get ready for the next three weeks. And uh, with the different format, it's going to be um, uh, a time to pay attention, both uh, as a fan and see where your team is is headed next week. Uh, most of the teams won't start until next Wednesday. First rounds are slated to be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, Thursday, Friday, Saturday next week. And those preliminary games, the play-in, you know, it's a different version of play-in this year. But as you mentioned, Mark, Monday and Tuesday, uh, the coaches have been asked to get ice if you are in one of those play-in games. So, you know, it, it all starts next week, and uh, everyone will have to pay attention this year, different formats, different locations. Um, but, you know, it's a great month for hockey. Again, I uh, want to thank Jamie Staffslin on production tonight and uh, Paul McNamara, the co-host, and our special guest, Dan Shine. And be sure to join us next Thursday night as we will be kicking off uh, that first round of tournament games. And my hockey live will very much be out there broadcasting these games. Um, it is a first-come, first-serve. So, again, feel free to ping us at info at myhockeylive.com if you'd like to have the game covered. Uh, we cover all boys' and girls' games, so... Uh, Again, uh, don't be shy, and uh, thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be back uh, very